Welcome to Art Worlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts Comoretti. This is the podcast that tells you all about the art worlds you might have missed. We're going to journey around the globe and talk to artists, patrons and curators from Cambodia to the Democratic Republic of Congo. With this, we'll build a truly international perspective of the many thriving art worlds. The United Arab Emirates, a federation of seven emirates that runs along the eastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula, bordered by Saudi Arabia and Oman, was historically a region dominated by Arab clans and families. Over the years, imperial powers, including Portugal and Britain, have come and gone, leading to the area's independence and then formal unification in 1971, when Abu Dhabi became the capital. Incorporating this largest federate, Dubai, Sharjah, Ajman, Umm al Quwain, Ras al Khaimiyah, and Fujairah, the UAE is a place that melds ancient customs and advanced technologies, intensive urban developments and sprawling desert terrains, and immense wealth and want. As the area has undergone rapid transformation and switched its swathes of deserts for cityscapes and opulent resorts, so too has its contemporary art infrastructure blossomed. Over the last few decades, museums, studio spaces, commercial galleries, auction houses, foundations and art fairs have become permanent fixtures with international renown. Maitha Abdallah is a consummate storyteller. Inspired by theatre, folklore, tradition and ritual, her multidisciplinary practice is underpinned by her fictional writing. Paintings, typically worked on with her fingers, feature fantastical creatures and human figures, often angst-ridden and vulnerable. Abdallah studied at the Zayed University in Abu Dhabi, after which she came together with fellow artists to establish an artist-run studio and exhibition space called Beit, meaning home in Arabic, 15. Abdallah has been part of the Abu Dhabi Art Fair's Beyond Emerging Artists, showing at Cromwell Place in London, at the Abu Dhabi Art Fair and in Venice. Maitha recently completed the An Effort residency in London, supported by the Abu Dhabi Arts and Music Foundation. When I spoke to her, she was just back in her studio in Abu Dhabi, and she told me about her trajectory and how studio life works out in the Emirates. You're based in Abu Dhabi and previously set up Bait 15 with two other artists. This was a studio space with reading room that hosted various programmes. And in particular, you gave younger, unrepresented artists the chance to sell work and build a community. That was in 2017, when Louvre Abu Dhabi had just opened. How have the opportunities for emerging artists changed? I had started Bait 15 with other artists. Um, we had, like, we agreed that we, it was like a must. It was a need. We wanted spaces. We wanted um, um, not just space, like, you know, we had spaces at our houses, at our homes, where we could, like, produce work. But we wanted, like, a space where we could engage with the community, have people come over, invite people um even if it was just us there are like in the space it's it's sometimes like um um 
you know, interesting to hear other um, uh, critiques and, and, and about your work or like about your practice and to have people to come and see the process of what you do. So it wasn't something that we started because um, um, we just needed spaces. It was that, but also including the community and including people that at that time we only we only meet during like um, um, exhibition openings, which wasn't enough like to carry on with the conversation. So we agreed that the space we're gonna have it open for people to come in. Uh, we uh, had the um, 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 you know the opportunity to uh, spare a room where we had uh, other artists bring in um, uh, donate some books. Um, to make in, to turn into a library for people to come and just like chill and have conversations and pick up a book or something. So um, it was a space like that, and and it wasn't managed in a way that you know it was very organic. It was managed by artists, so you could imagine how <laughs> the <laughs> space would be. So it wasn't like you know closing time is like at ten. No, the space is open. You want to come until four a.m. You can come until four a.m. So because some of us would stay until 4 a.m. to, you know, to to work. So there's always people around. There's always people there. Um, so it was a space like that. And I feel after we started Beit 15, um, a, a lot uh, other collectives have started as well. And it was very interesting because Beit 15 was a place where um, uh, they would come and, and, and meet and ask questions. How, how did we start the space? How are we managing the space? And all of these, um, the opportunities now, like for young artists are like, just, you know, enormous. Like if I think about like other places, like you know, no other place that gives such opportunities to artists like the UAE. And, and like just going from, like for me right now, like my plan is to move my practice elsewhere, which is, you know, very difficult because the support is back home. But like, I have this urge to also like go out there and experience different art scenes and like experience different conversations. Um, but I always know that I'm an artist from the UAE and coming back here, I would still have the support of the institutions, the government, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, and similar to like young artists that are just graduating. I, I was with a few of them uh, last week, just asking me like, you know, questions about like how to move forward from, you know, graduating from university and like, and I feel like the opportunities that they have now are better opportunities that I had 10 years ago when I graduated. Um, the art scene is thriving. We have like museums, we have like opening up, we have, um, um, you know, um, AdMath that's uh, uh, supporting artists. We have uh, art fairs like Art Dubai and Abu Dhabi Art that brings like galleries from all over the world for, you know, those uh, uh, young artists to go and meet people and just get inspired. Your um, practice, just to focus on that for a bit, like it's really rich and sort of incorporates many media. 
And I'm just thinking about some of your recent works. There have been this sort of reoccurring imagery of a rooster and a pig. And you've used this form in your paintings. They sort of faintly emerge in the background. But also you've created these fantastic like paper mache masks, um, which your protagonists in photographs wear. And, you know, I know the what these references might mean in certain cultures, but I'm really interested to know what they sort of reference for you and what their incorporation means in each work. And is it changeable? So when I first started, um, I always had this love for like stories and uh, writing and at the same time, like drawing and painting. So um, when I first started writing, I started writing novels. It was just like very hard for me to kind of like continue writing um novels so I went like into my paintings and I left writing uh, aside I started painting but then during my graduation I just like decided to bring out those writings and turn them into paintings so I would um, um, write down like the stories and then like create these characters and then pull the characters out and put them into different mediums um, and one thing that I was looking at is a lot of the things that I wrote and I write is very personal, uh, and comes from like, um, uh, stories that I've heard, um, um, things that I've lived, um, um, you know, just stories from childhood, uh, folk tales and stories that my grandmother used to say. Um, so during that same period of time, I had an interest in, uh, art house films and I would, it was like before that, I, I had just graduated from school before that. All I knew about films was like Hollywood films. But then I started like watching these art house films and it just like inspired me to like another level. And I fell in love with theater at the same time and like um, uh, art house films. And I remember I used to go like whenever I would like a film, I used to go pull out the script and start reading the script. And it's like the, the script that, you know, when you read the script, it's very visual because it meant to be visual for you, you know, for them to kind of like make it into a film. So it kind of like attracted me and I started writing these stories in like um, 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 in in this in a similar way that it would be written for a film, like, uh, as, you know, different scenes, dif different scripts, building the characters and then pulling these characters out and putting them into different mediums. Um, and And that's where like the development of like the rooster and the pig uh, came about. Uh, um, I was uh, questioning things about my life, like, you know, the rooster, I've, ha I've had heard, you know, stories about the rooster from my grandmother, stories about the pig. Uh, what does the pig mean? What does the rooster mean? And then at that time, I was still, like, you know, trying to find my way um, um, as a person, as like myself. I grew up 
uh, in a conservative family, but like kind of like an open-minded conservative family. I don't know how to describe it because like I had, as soon as I turned 18, I had, you know, had to deal with my dad and I was like, I want to find my way. I want to travel around. I want to just like discover myself and, 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 and he allowed me, he doesn't agree with the things that, you know, but like he just allowed me to kind of like discover, like through that discovery, I just like, you know, became obsessed with this notion of like sin and forgiveness and what is right and what is wrong. And, uh, the things that I was, um, uh, taught the culture, the, um, um, uh, how you're supposed to behave as a woman and how you're supposed to um, uh, talk in a certain way. And just that obsession of like uh, trying to find myself and then like these stories that I've heard just like, you know, kind of like I, I had put a, a character to these notions and it just like became part of my work. When you talk about the scripts that you write, is that a crucial part of your process? Does that have to happen bef before the work? The visual so when I first text? started, when I first started, yes, it was always before the work. Uh, now I see myself like just getting into some of the work sometimes and then just like pulling the story out uh, of what I do. Um I am working on um, uh, a script right now to make into a film. Hopefully when I go to the residency, I've been working on it for like three years now, but haven't had the time to finish it yet. But hopefully this is my project that I'm going to do when I'm in Paris. Um, finally finish the script. So <laughs> and so, yeah, like uh, I, it was, it was always before. But now, uh, as I got like very comfortable with the the um, the characters that I built, um, um, the stories can you know would come like either before or, or you know mid of like um, uh, producing or even sometimes after. You've talked about these worlds that you create, and do you see them all as being interconnected, or are they very distinct worlds that? exist in and of themselves no i see them very very connected um although the work might not seem extremely personal because you know when you encounter my work it it's very kind of like playful in a dark way and 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 very theatrical very storytelling but to me it is it is a personal journey um that i like to put in um in a, in a kind of like theatrical storytelling way so it's all it, to me it's all just like connects and continues um I'm, yeah and and when you say it's personal because um i'm thinking about it's not just these sort of animals that appear in your work they're very much um figures that mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have likened your work to sort of Paula Rago's intensity, mm. the forms, and often like I'd say they seem quite like tormented. Um, and they started earlier in your practice; they were quite distinctly feminine, and they've I think they've become more obscure and undefined. So, 
when you talk about it being personal, are you sort of reflecting on gender roles? Um, not necessarily. So I had like a lot of people come to me and like refer to me as like a, a feminist artist. And I wouldn't say I'm a feminist artist, although like um, personally, like, you know, um, I would say I am, but like not my work. I, I feel like I... Because it's personal and I happen to be a female, the the characters are representing something that I'm most familiar with, which is like my body and myself and my character. I'm I'm someone that is obsessed with, you know, the the kind of like the dark side. And I always like tell, you know, the the um um students that come in in my studio or like um just like just try to connect to like your because your what what makes you sad what makes you angry what what is what is that like try and make peace with it and then just like bring it out because this is where the questions happen like you never question when you're happy but you always question when you're sad when you were in london and you were at this fantastic residency um called an effort it, which is you were given a studio space in central london which is Totally, in Soho. Yeah, totally enviable. <laughs> um, so I assume that being in the centre, like you had, you know, excellent access to galleries, like artists, curators. And I was interested to know, like, how that might have seeped into your work. It's very interesting because, you know, uh, I always talked about my work um, um, to audience that are familiar with the stories that I'm telling. And it was very interesting to see like people that come in my studio. And there are a lot of people that came in the studio. Again, like it's in central London. The studio is uh, um, um, uh, accessible. So a lot of people came in my studio and just like explaining the work to them was extremely interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm telling the stories that I grew up with to people that have no idea about where I come from. You know, like some of them don't even know where, you know, where I come from is located in the map. And some of them do, but not necessarily know about the folk tales and the stories. So just explaining the work and just it, it suddenly like became extremely theatrical because they don't they they don't have that memory that I have. And like the other people in the UAE have about like these folk tales or like, you know, uh, their grandmothers or in the stories and all of these. So it just like became extremely theatrical, but then um, um, it like touching them in like points that is very, you know, like uh, notions are like very universal, like uh, right, wrong, sin, forgiveness. Thank you to Metha for her considered answers. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like, leave a review. In the show notes, you'll find a number of places where you can learn more about Metha's work and other project spaces in the UAE. Join me next time when we speak to Vilma Jukert, Executive Director of Dubai's impressive cultural district, Auskal Avenue a place where galleries, studios, cafes and shops intersect.
This has been Art Worlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts-Comoredi. See you on the next journey. Thank you.